This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. So uh, we are continuing we're continuing our New Through 30 series this morning. Today is week two, and so if you missed week one, I want to encourage you to uh, jump on the podcast and check it out. We had uh, Chris Johnson here last week who was on staff here for many years, and he was back in town, so we let him uh, kind of launch this series for us. And uh, he shared about the Gospels, and he landed the plane talking about how the Gospels They're the story of Jesus, and we're reading through the Bible, and we're doing all these things, but it's very, very important for us to remember and to refocus and to continually remind ourselves that we're not reading the Bible, and we're not going through this stuff for head knowledge. We're not going through this stuff to get necessarily get questions answered. We're not going through this stuff to, like, load in our arsenal so that we can weaponize it on Facebook, right? Like, that's not the purpose of us going through and reading the Bible and learning about this. The idea here is for us to get to know Jesus. That's the point. And so, in tandem with our four uh, talks that we're having, our, our series of four talks, we have launched a campaign here at Central where we're asking you guys to read the New Testament with us in 30 days. And so when you came in, there should have been a blue card on your seat. That blue card is our reading plan to get through the entire New Testament in 30 days. Now, it breaks down, depending on how long the chapters are, to be about five to eight chapters a day, which some of you are like, oh my gosh, that's incredible. That's a ton. But honestly, if you just took the amount of time that you scroll social media right before you go to bed and substituted that with the reading plan, it would be no problem. It'd be no addition to your day whatsoever. And so it's really, really a cool thing. And we've gone even a step further to make it accessible and to make it easy uh, for you to jump on board with this. We've gone through and actually recorded all of the readings for each day, and we release them as a podcast every single day. And so we drop some music behind it so it doesn't put you, like, straight to sleep (laughs) as soon as you turn it on. Um, I know I'm driving in the car sometimes, and I'll accidentally, the radio will stop on NPR. You guys ever do that? And it's just like someone talking in a very soft voice like this telling me about things I don't really care about. And I'm like, straight to sleep, right? And so we were like, okay, let's not do that with these podcasts. So we put some beats behind it and had a little fun with it. And so if you want to go to centralchurch.cc slash podcast, you can get on there. Today is actually day seven on the reading plan. We started last Monday. And so I think today we start the book of Luke. I think today's reading is Luke uh, chapter one through seven, and Carmen is reading it. And so she's got this like, Nice, soothing voice, so it'll be cool, it's nice. So make sure that you guys jump on board with that. It's an awesome opportunity. So we've taken this series, this New Through 30, and we're using it as sort of a synopsis of the New Testament. It's kind of springboarded from our last series that we just came out of where we talked through the Old Testament. It was called In Transit, and we looked at you know Adam, and we looked at Moses and the law, we looked at David, we looked at the major and minor prophets, and kind of trekked through the Old Testament and how to kind of digest all of that. And so with this series, we're trekking through the New Testament and kind of how to, how to navigate reading that and understanding that. And so last week, we talked through the Gospels, right? The Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the Gospels are essentially the story of Jesus. 
It's the story of Jesus. And so if you open your Bible, it's this big old book, and you're like, oh, I don't know what to do. Go to about the middle where it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and that's the story of Jesus. That's where you get the Christmas story. That's where you get the Easter story. That's where you get the miracles and the ministry and all those sorts of things. And so Chris shared last week about the Gospels and how they were written, who they were written to, who they were written by, what the intention is. Because you think, why'd they have to tell the same story four different times, right? I mean, you read one, you know them all, but it's not. It's different. They, they paint Jesus in a different light, in a different way for different audiences and different purposes and all that. And so it's really, really interesting. And then in week two, which is today, we're going to dive into the book of Acts. So it's the four Gospels and then the book of Acts, which is super, super awesome. It's sort of the formation of the early church. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible. It's super exciting and interesting, and it's got like some historical stuff. It's got some ministry stuff. It's got some exciting stuff. And so the book of Acts is really cool. And then next week, Rich is going to share about the epistles. Now, the epistles are like the section of the Bible where all the books of the Bible end with I-A-N-S, right? Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, whatever ends, all, all of those, right? And so Rich is going to share about that, and those go, kind of go through teaching and instruction. And then in week four of this series, I'm going to come back up, and I'm going to share uh, about something I've actually never talked about in church, never taught on from the platform or in church or anything like that. I don't even really talk about it outside of church very much. But we're going to look at the apocalyptic literature, which is like 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Jude, and Revelation. And so we're going to look at like the end times stuff, like the spooky Left Behind series, that kind of stuff, uh, not really. But we are going to look at it, we're going to talk about it, um, kind of how to approach it and how to digest it and maybe what it means and kind of go through that. And so I'm nervous about it, so therefore you should be nervous about it. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. It's going to be a lot of fun, I'm not nervous. It's going to be a good time. It's going to be interesting to say the least. So we're going to do that. So that's kind of how this series is shaping up and working out. And so grab those blue cards, take them with you. Put them somewhere that you're going to see it every day, maybe your underwear drawer, but if you don't wear underwear every day, put it on your mirror, because we know you all look in the mirror every day. Put it, on the mirror, put it next to the toilet, maybe, I don't know, but something that's going to remind you to jump on this and to read and get over to our podcast and make sure you, you uh, subscribe so the, the readings can come straight to your phone. So I know I start most of my sermons with, I was raised in a hyper-charismatic Pentecostal church, right? How many of you guys have heard me say that? Before Yes. I like to share um, the, my, my life with you and my stories with you, and that was sort of how I was raised. And so I was raised in a hyper-charismatic Pentecostal church, and there was a huge, and I mean huge, imbalanced and unhealthy, but huge emphasis on Acts chapter 2, right? Chapter 2 in the book of Acts. That was a huge emphasis for me growing up, growing up in a Pentecostal church. Now, the reason is because the Holy Spirit showing up at Pentecost. Now, when I say the Holy Spirit showing up at Pentecost, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay, so uh, very few of you. Let me explain. Let me just give you a little a background knowledge here of what I grew up sa- thinking was the absolute most important thing in all of history. Um, <laughs> Pentecost. So there was the, after Jesus uh, ascended to heaven, right? He dies on the cross, goes to the crucifixion, the whole deal, raised from the dead, a bunch of people see him, there's this big gathering, he goes up into heaven. Then you're left with all these people who decided to follow Jesus, and they're all looking at each other like, no, did y'all just see that? They're like, yeah, we saw that. They're like, now what? 
Now what do we do, right? And so they go, and they go to this upper room and pray and wait on God. And so they're waiting on God, and they're seeking God, and they're saying, you know, God, what do we do next? What's the plan? All this stuff. And they were like, you know, Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit would come, that something greater would come, something different would come. What do we do? Let's go, let's go wait on it, right? So they go up in this upper room, they start praying, and there's people all around. There's a festival of Pentecost, so there's people from all over the, the, the different countries and different regions in this place for a celebration. And the Holy Spirit shows up in this upper room while they're praying, right? The Holy Spirit falls on them. And when that happens, they start speaking in other languages, the people that are up in the room, Right? They start speaking in these other languages, and, but it wasn't, don't get it twisted though, it wasn't like they were talking about used cars, right? Those of you who were raised in Pentecostal church, you know what I'm talking about. I should have bought a Honda, but I bought a Kia, right? And we say that real fast, I should have bought a Honda, but I bought a Kia. And so they, they weren't doing that. They weren't doing some like top secret angelic prayer language. I don't know where that theology comes from. They weren't doing this like, you know, gibberish or jibber jabber, that, that wasn't the case. That's not what happened in the upper room, right? When the Holy Spirit fell, they began speaking in the languages of all the people that were hanging out outside. All the people that were in the city from all these different lands all of a sudden start hearing about Jesus in their own native tongue, right? Because the people are sitting there and they go, whoa, what is, what's going on with this group? They actually accused them of being drunk. They were like, yo, it's too early for this. Y'all are day drinking, right? Y'all must be drunk. And Peter actually had to stand up and be like, Bro, it's 9 o'clock, we're not drunk, okay? It's funny that, like, he says it's 9 o'clock, we're not drunk, like, as if it were later, that would be something that you could assume. I don't, I don't know. Maybe there's a case for some wine in there somewhere. Um, <laughs> I'm going to keep moving with that. <sighs> so, Pentecost, so the Holy Spirit falls. They start speaking in all these other languages. So, in my upbringing in a Pentecostal, charismatic church, you know, that was the focus. Ooh. You want the Holy Spirit, you better start talking about Kias and Hondas and Toyotas and everything else, right? You better go in and go hard and do the thing. And that was my focus. And so coming up, I'm not saying, you know, maybe that wasn't your situation, but that was mine. And so coming up, I thought that was the most important thing, so much so that Acts chapter 2, that's what it was about. The New Testament, that was, that's what it was about. Following Jesus, that's what it was about, was this Pentecostal heritage that I had and this Whoa, you know, fire, and whoa, 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 and that was like the focus and the thing. So much so that the rest of the book of Acts sort of fell by the wayside. It was like, yo, you read Acts? Well, I read chapter 2. Glory, that's all you need, hallelujah, right? No, wait a second. There's a lot that goes on in this book. It's, it's, it's fascinating. It's essentially, it's the origin story of Christianity post-Jesus. It's what all these people standing around after the crucifixion, after the resurrection, sitting around and going, well, now what? Well, let's do this, and they start moving forward, and that's what the book of Acts is, and the thing is, it's foundational for us to understand the rest of the New Testament, because you hear about these guys writing to this guy, and writing to that guy, and this church, and that church, and if you haven't read Acts, you don't know what the heck they're talking about, you know? You can't just assume you know who these different guys are, when you open the book of Philippians, and they start talking, and I, Paul, blah, blah, you're like, yo, who's Paul? Like, who gave this guy the authority? Who, what, what does he got, you know, how, why does he get to write a letter and be, get his name in the Bible? Like, what's the deal? Acts explains all of those things. And what it does is it shows us what individuals and churches can do when they are fully devoted to God and empowered by the Holy Spirit. When they're empowered by the Holy Spirit and they devote themselves to God, Acts shows us what can happen. And so Acts is written by this guy named Luke, who also wrote another book in the Bible. Can you guess which one it is? 
His name is Luke. Can you guess which book he wrote? Wrong. He wrote Matthew, actually. Um, no, I'm just kidding. He wrote Luke. Um, he wrote <laughs> the people who knew looked at me like, wait, what did you just say? Um, no, yeah, he wrote Luke, and uh, he wrote the book of Acts. And so Luke was a physician. He was a Gentile. He was a doctor. He was smart. And so he takes this educated approach and gives an educated account of Jesus and the early church. And so just a little uh, tidbit for you, because I know you guys are going to be reading this, because you're going to be on the reading plan, and you're going to get to it. He opens the book of Luke, and he opens the book of Acts, uh, addressing Theophilus. And so in reading that, you might think, oh, Theophilus, that just must mean that's his homie, right? He's writing to Theophilus, like they're, they're pen pals or whatever. But no, Theophilus literally means lover of God. And so Theophilus is a term that generally means people who are following Jesus, people who love God, people who want to better themselves in their faith, people who are growing on their faith journey. And so he writes the book of Luke, tells them about Jesus, right? And the story of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus. And then he writes the book of Acts and says, and so here's what we did in response, Here's Jesus in the story and the life. Here's Acts. Here's what we did in response to that. Here's how we kind of carried this on and moved forward. And so the outline and intention and big idea for the entire book of Acts is outlined in one verse. It's in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And it sort of sets the stage for the entire book of Acts. All the things that go, go, go down and all the things that take place can, can be filtered through this verse. And it says this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so Luke writes and he's saying, listen, here, here's, here's what's going down. You're going to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to show up. And then you know what you're going to do? You're going to spread the word. You know what you're going to do? You're going to live like it. You're going to live like the Holy Spirit just showed up. You're going to spread the word like you just encountered God, like the Holy Spirit just showed up. And he says you're going to do it in Jerusalem, and then you're going to do it in Judea, and then you're going to do it in Samaria, and you're going to go all the way to the ends of the earth, anywhere, everywhere in between. He said that's what you're going to do. That's how this whole thing is going to go down. And he outlines that in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Now, the way this thing kind of flows out and breaks down is this. In Acts chapter 1 through 12 is the ministry of Peter. Now, Peter was one of the disciples of Jesus, and if you've been reading the Gospels, you may have heard of this Peter guy. Peter's kind of like the bruiser, the brute, kind of, I don't know, maybe, maybe a little more like sandpaper, right, than Jesus was. Uh, you know, when they came to arrest Jesus uh, with Judas and all that, Peter's the dude who, like, whips out the sword, like, whooshing, and, like, takes the dude's ear off, right? Like, he's kind of a, a, a temper or whatever. Jesus is the guy that's like, or, or Peter's the guy like, yo, Jesus, I would never deny you ever. Like, I love you so much. And then... Stuff goes down, persecution starts coming, and like, hey, don't you know Jesus? And he's like, who, Jesse? I don't know, Je I don't know anybody named Jesse or Jesus. Never seen the guy, right? Completely starts, he doesn't say Jesse, that was my interpretation, okay? Um, but he's like, no, I never heard of him. Jesus who? What are you talking about? And so he denies you. So he's this like crazy, like uh, eccentric um, guy. And so the first 12 chapters of Acts are Peter's ministry. He steps up. And, and he says, you know what, I'm going to move forward with this, we're going to do this. And so he starts preaching these sermons, right? And he's preaching to Jews. And <laughs> I think it's so great, because I think this paints such a picture of Peter's personality, right? Dude who cuts off the, the, the ear, the dude who's like, you know, denying Jesus and saying, I'll follow you and feed my sheep. And he's like, I don't get it, what? And so he's doing all this stuff, right? This story, all the stories of Peter. And then Peter, in his ministry, starts preaching to Jews. And you know what he's saying to the Jews? 
He's saying, y'all missed it. Y'all, that was the Messiah, and y'all missed it. I mean, how like rubbing their nose and they're like kicking them while they're down is that, right? He's like, listen, the Messiah was here. The Jews, you guys have been waiting for your long-awaited Messiah. You've been waiting 500, 600, 700 years for this thing to happen. You know, you, you, you're waiting for the prophecies to come true, and y'all just miss it because Jesus was the guy. And so he starts preaching and teaching and saying, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Messiah. And he's trying to convert these Jews into Christianity. He's saying, you missed the boat, but you can still get on, right? You missed the boat, but there's still a way. You can still, you know, follow Jesus and make him all that stuff. And so Peter starts doing that. Now, I find this interesting. In Acts chapter 9, right, about, uh, about uh, a third of the way through the book, persecution starts happening to Christians, Right? They start hunting them down. They start putting them in jail. They start imprisoning them. They start uh, killing them. Things like that, right? Persecution starts happening to the Christians. You know what happens? This was all taking place in Jerusalem. So they scattered. You know where they scattered to? Judea and Samaria and Rome and to the ends of the earth, right? They spread out with the gospel because this persecution starts taking place. And one of those main persecutors was this dude named Saul. Right? And so Saul was this guy who would like hunt down Christians and imprison them and get them in trouble for talking about Jesus because it was very threatening to the Jewish way of life. It was very threatening to the empire way of life. Like this whole Jesus thing was like an uprising and they wanted to shut it down. And so Paul was, or Saul was the dude to shut it down. And how many of you guys have, have heard of the Damascus Road, the thing that happened in Damascus, right? This persecutor of Christians, right? Saul is going to this town, Damascus, to hunt down Christians, to put them in jail, to shut this thing down, snuff it out, right? And he sees this bright light on the road. It blinds him. He has this encounter with God, goes talks to this other guy. Long story short, ends up changing his name to Paul, ends up following Jesus, and now instead of being a persecutor of Christians, he's this like crazy missionary church planter, right? And which this, I think, paints a really avid picture of Paul's personality. He was like a go-getter. He was like a, a high-caliber individual, like did not sleep until 1 p.m. playing video games in his parents' basement, right? Like that was not Paul's M.O. He was like top dog at hunting Christians and then top dog at recruiting Christians, like high-caliber dude, right? And so chapters 12 through 28 tracks through Paul's uh, ministry. And what Paul did is he traveled around and started churches, and so Paul would go to this town and he would preach to people, say, let's follow Jesus, you need to follow Jesus. They'd follow Jesus, say, all right, cool, let's start a church. And so he'd start a church, he'd pastor that church for a little bit, he'd say, all right, cool, you guys got it, I'm going to go do this again. And so he'd go over here to this other town, preach about Jesus, they'd follow Jesus, he'd start a church, he'd pastor that church for a little bit and go, all right, cool, I'm going to go do it again. And he's traveled around doing that, and so these letters in the Bible that Rich is going to talk about next week, the epistles, what this is, is it's Paul the church planter who started these different churches traveling around, and then he writes a letter back to that church saying, hey guys, word has come to me that you guys are struggling with this. Here's how you should handle it. Hey, here's what you should do to follow Jesus. Hey, here's what you should do as you're growing in your faith. Here are some tips. Here are some strategies. Here are some things. Here's what you need to do to be cool with God. And that's what we're previed to in Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, all those things. Those are those churches that Paul started, and he's writing letters to them of how to get on with God. How to continue to grow in the faith. Because these are baby Christians, right? This is, he's going around, hey, you should accept Jesus. They're like, okay, cool. Let's start a church. Okay, cool. And then he takes off, and then many of them are probably like, okay, now what, right? And so they fall back into things, and that's why he's writing all these letters and doing all of this stuff. And so Acts covers all of this stuff. Acts paints the picture for all of that. It covers the early rise and spread of Christianity post 
Jesus. It shows the progression of the gospel past the life of Christ. And so it's really, really cool, really interesting, informative, exciting. I'm excited for you guys to get to that point of our Bible reading and reading through the New Testament. But here's the deal. I feel like the theme of Acts can be very, very applicable to us here and now. You know, I shared a few weeks ago that the Bible is not written to us, but it's written for us, right? All those letters that Paul wrote, he was writing to a specific group of people. So it wasn't written to us, but we can learn from that, and we can apply those truths to our lives. So it was written for us as well. well I think the same is true in the book of Acts, especially in chapter 1, verse 8, when it says, the Spirit will come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. See, for us to hear that, we're like, yeah, but Sam, I'm not going to Jerusalem or Judea. I don't even know what Samaria is, and uh, I'm pretty sure we've been all over the earth, right? And you're like, That's, that doesn't, no, no, that applies, because listen, check this out. There was some nuance to that statement when he wrote it. There was some purpose to that statement when he wrote it, because when he said, you'll preach the, the gospel, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, you know what that meant? That meant where they were, because they were in Jerusalem, and Jerusalem was a small town. That was their home. That was their family. That was their people. And then when he said, you'll do it in Jerusalem, and then you'll do it in Judea. You know what Judea is? Judea is the region in which Jerusalem is located. So he says, you're going to start this thing in your home, in your house. And then it's going to go to your community and your neighborhood, the people you do life with, the people that you're trading. Back then, it'd be like, you know, you're, the people you're trading with, the people you're farming with, whatever. For us, you know, the people that we do life with, the, the grocery store clerk that we see all the time, the banker we see all the time, uh, the, the, the check-in people at your schools when your kids are late. Can I get an amen, hallelujah on that one? See them four or five times a week. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? The people that we're seeing consistently in our lives, that's, that's the, the, the Judea. And then he says to Samaria. Now, when he would have said Samaria back then, they would have been like, <laughs> it would have been like a record scratch. What did you just say? You said Samaria? Because here's the deal. The Jews viewed the Samaritans as like scum, like detestable, disgusting, gross, the other. Could not stand them, wanted nothing to do with them, didn't talk to them, didn't hang out with them, didn't go to places that they would be. It was a complete and total polarization, separation between the Jews and the Samaritans. That's what makes the Good Samaritan parable that Jesus tells that much more ironic. Because the Samaritan is the hero in the story, and he's telling it to Jews. That's why Jesus was inciting so much anger. But when they said, you're going to go preach and be witnesses to Jerusalem, your home. And then you're going to go to Judea, which is your community and the people around you. Then he goes on to say, Samaria. You know what that is? That's the people that you can't stand. That's the people that you don't like being around. Well, Sam, I'm a Christian. I love everybody. Good. Teach me how to do that. Right? Teach me how to do that. Teach me, teach me how to do that. Right? Like, I... There are people that we just don't like. I mean, that's the reality of it. They get on our nerves. They drive us crazy. And some of them are like in your immediate family. And you're like, so how do I come? What's the math on that? You know, but that's, the, and that's what he's saying. He said, listen, you're going to preach to your home. You're going to preach to your community. You're going to be a witness in your home, a witness in your community. And you know what else? You're going to be a witness to the people that you don't like. You're going to be a witness. To you're going to be a witness to people who are different than you who vote different than you, who think different than you, who dress different than you, who, who like things that you don't like, who say things that you don't say, who watch movies that you don't watch, who do the things that you find detestable, you're going to be a witness to those people too. He's saying your home, your community, and the people you can't stand, and he says, even to the ends of the earth. Anybody, 
and everybody. That's who you're going to be a witness to, and that's how this thing's going to work. That's how this thing's going to work. That's how we're going to be Jesus to the world. That's how we're going to share the gospel with everyone, in our home, in our community, to the people we can't stand, and everybody in between, to the ends of the earth and everywhere in between. And so, I mean, I feel like that's pretty applicable to us, right? That's pretty applicable to us. Are you ready and willing? Do you actively participate in the church that's outlined in Acts? I mean, think about it. Think about yourselves. Do, do you actively participate in the church that's outlined in Acts? Are you living out the Holy Spirit empowerment in your own home or with your own family? Maybe not your immediate family, your extended family. You know, maybe God's doing something super awesome, incredible in your life, and you're afraid to tell the people that are in your family. You know, you got that kid's song, uh, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let hide it under a bushel. No. I'm, did y'all not go to kids' church? I went to kids' church. That's what we say. I, I, I was the kid in kids' church. Hide it under a bush. No! I'm going to let. I was like, for some reason, that was me not hiding it under a bushel. I don't, I don't know. But, I mean, think about it. Is God doing something awesome inside of you and you're embarrassed and ashamed and afraid to tell your family? And I'm not talking blood family. Maybe it's your close-knit group of friends. It's the people that you do life with. Tight. Your core. God's doing something awesome in you. And you're not able to bear witness to them. Or maybe it's your neighborhood. I know people, many people, who follow Jesus, love Jesus. God's rocking their world, rocking their family's world. And you go ask people at their job if they know anything about it. And they're like, no, what, who, what? Uh, they go to church? They're involved with God? They read their Bible? Hide it under a bushel? No. I'm going to, Tony's with it. I'm going to let it shine, Right? He's saying, yo, are you living out this Holy Spirit empowerment? Are you living out this Holy Spirit empowerment? Maybe some of you are. Maybe you're like, yeah, yeah, I love Jesus. It's awesome. But are you living out the Holy Spirit empowerment in the places and the people that you cannot stand? Are you doing it in the places and with the people that drive you bananas, that wear on your last nerve, that as soon as you see them, you like duck and go the other way, right? you got to walk by their desk to get to the bathroom at work, and so you hold it all day long. So you don't have to walk by their desk. Y'all are laughing because you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? They walk up to me, and I'm like, oh, I'm in prayer. I'm praying right now. Can't talk. I'm praying. I'm just kidding. <laughs> kind of. Um, <laughs> you know, is that you? Are you, are you doing that? Are you, are you doing it to the ends of the earth and everywhere in between? Are you a witness for God? Are you... Are you showing the love? Are you reflecting the love, grace, acceptance, forgiveness, compassion of Jesus anywhere and everywhere that you are with anyone and everyone you come into contact with? But what I'm not saying, let me just be very clear, what I'm not saying is that you have to become that really annoying person at work to where then everyone starts to avoid you, right? Because you buy like the Coca-Cola shirts that say Jesus Christ instead of Coca-Cola. Like just, just don't, okay? Don't I'm not suggesting that, and if you have that shirt, burn it. Okay, just kidding. I'm not. I'm not serious. I am serious. I am serious. Don't be. Don't be that guy. You know what I mean? They're like, oh god, here comes the Bible thumper. You know, you can be a witness, and sometimes you might even have to talk. You know, you can be an example of Jesus, and sometimes you'll have to use words. Okay, that's what I'm talking. It's a lifestyle in response to God, reflecting who God is. And so our leadership here 
at Central have been working really hard to kind of reformat and rebrand and reprogram and sort of recalibrate our, our mission and our vision and our model of ministry and how we want to do things around here. Um, we feel like it's a little complicated the way we have the wording and stuff. And so we've sort of shifted a little bit and we're in the process of that. But our goal moving forward, we're trying to launch this stuff hopefully in September, that we're going to be a church that does four things. Helps people to know God, helps people to find freedom, helps people to discover purpose, and helps people to make a difference. And to know God, we mean people encountering and knowing God. And then this idea of finding freedom is deliverance and life change, because we believe when you encounter God, you cannot stay the same. It changes you. It changes you. In Scripture, when people meet God and they see God, it changes Saul from Paul. When Moses came down from the mountain with the Ten Commandments, he looked completely different. You cannot stay the same when you encounter God. And the third thing is to discover purpose. We want to help people discover God's design for their life, their purpose, their passions, their calling, and how God wants to use them, shape them, mold them, all of those things. And then the fourth thing is we want to make a difference. We want to make a difference. We want to have a community of people that are mobilized and making a difference in this world in the name of Jesus. But for us to be able to do that, for us to be a church collectively that does that, a group of people that come together and help people know God and find freedom and discover purpose and make a difference, in order for us to do that on an individual level, it starts with being a witness to your Jerusalem. It starts with you being a witness to your Judea. It starts with being a witness to your Samaria. It starts with being a witness to the ends of the earth and everywhere in between. Your home, your community, your neighborhood, the people that you don't want to be nice to and that you don't want to love and that you don't want to serve and anywhere and everywhere in between. Consistency throughout. And so what we want to do this morning is I want to give you guys an opportunity to be introspective. I want to give you an opportunity to do some soul searching. I want to give you an opportunity to kind of spend a few moments in prayer and maybe, maybe in some contemplation. Contemplating, God, what of those areas need to shift in my life? In which of those areas do I need to grow? You know, do I need, where in my life am I hiding under a bushel? No. What areas am I walking around hiding it under a bushel? And what areas am I like a top secret Christ follower? You know? Is it at work? And when something bad happens in their family, like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll send you some good energy, some good vibes. Right? Because we don't want to let people know that we are actually meaning we're going to pray for them. And then if you say, hey, I'm going to pray for you. If they look at you sideways when you say that because they didn't think you prayed, chances are you're not doing this following Jesus thing right, okay? Just heads up. <laughs> But what area in your life, is it with your home, your close-knit community, your close-knit group, or is it in your community, the people you see on a daily, on the regular, at your job, at the grocery store, at the bank, whatever it is? Is it the people that you really can't stand, really rub you the wrong way? I would be in Jesus to those people across the keys of a message board, across the keys of, a, of, a, of Facebook and Instagram and all that. Are we being Jesus to those people as well? the ends of the earth and everywhere in between? Are we being a witness of what God is doing in here to the people out there? 
And so I want to give you guys an opportunity to sort of, I guess, reflect, sort of do an inventory and see, you know, how am I doing in this stuff? Where am I on this journey? Because that's, that, that, that's the message of, of, of Acts. That's the message of the church, Big C Church, the church globally. That's, that's the response of people to who Jesus is. It starts here and it spreads. It starts here and it spreads exponentially. Because we're not hiding under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. That's the idea. So I want to give you guys an opportunity to do some business with God. Let's pray together. God. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and you experience life change. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but still want to support this faith community, visit our giving page at centralchurch.cc. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes.